All right, how are we doing tonight? Good. All right, man. Great to have you guys here tonight. And uh, man, welcome out to the Medina East Campus. If it is your first time here at Grace Church, we want to just extend a very, very special welcome to you. Thanks for being our guest, and we hope that you feel welcome. Hey, before we jump into the message for tonight, I wanted to just kind of reiterate and kind of highlight something that Sarah Beth mentioned a moment ago. And the only reason I want to do that is because it's kind of a big deal, and it's something that we're real excited about here at the Medina East Campus, something I'm personally really excited about because we've been investing a ton of time into it. And that is that thing that Sarah Beth mentioned a moment ago that's called the equipping division, the equipping division. And I want to just kind of let you know, again, if you missed last week, we really kind of talked about it. We gave it a big push. We sort of talked about what the whole thing is all about. But again, really the whole idea behind the equipping division is that the equipping division is a series of practical university level. So we said university level. What we mean by that is these are not lightweight courses. They're actually a little heavyweight, but we said that they're practical and they're really designed uh, to be ministry equipping courses. And so this whole thing, we said it's going to start uh, on September 25th. It's going to be a Tuesday night. So on Tuesday nights for eight weeks, we're going to offer two courses. What is the Bible and what is Christianity? And I just want to reiterate again, man, please feel free to take advantage of those because it would be to your advantage. And so if you're a person who follows Jesus, and maybe you're in a position where you're discontent uh, with your understanding of the Bible, or maybe you're discontent with your ability to articulate your beliefs, this is something you absolutely want to take advantage of. Or if you're a person that's investigating Jesus, if you're not a Christian and you're really taking that investigation seriously, and you want to dive deeper into things like what is the Bible, where did it come from, uh, what are the basic beliefs of Christianity, those type of things, you, you want to take advantage of this. And if you're a Christian worker, so if you're someone that's serving in ministry and you just want to sharpen some of your ministry skills, we want to encourage you, take advantage of these courses. So again, it's going to be starting here in a few weeks. Registration is open. And I just wanted to also highlight, last week I had a couple people come up to me. They said, man, I'm really excited about it. I, I, I can't wait to register. But I went to your website and I couldn't figure out how to register. And so I want to help you with that. If you go to our website, I'll just show you a screenshot. If you go to medinaeast.graceohio.org, you can click on the equipping division. All right, it's right down there. And if you click on that, it'll take you right to registration. You can register for one of those two courses, for what is the Bible, what is Christianity. You can sign up for child care, and that would be an awesome thing. So again, just wanted to let you know, equipping division, take advantage of it. It's for you, and we'd love it if you could do that, all right? So uh, tonight, as we jump into this, uh, this first part of a series uh, that we're doing here together, I actually want to start by asking you if you'd be willing to say something with me, okay? So can we do that? Can I have you repeat after me? And we're going to try to say something together to set up this series. So here it is, okay? Repeat after me. Here we go. When the people of God become uncomfortable for the things of God, it unleashes the power of God, and we join the unstoppable movement of God. Good, good, good job. Let's try one more time. All right, one more time. Very good. When the people of God become uncomfortable for the things of God, it unleashes the power of God, and we join the unstoppable movement of God. 
Very cool. Now, the reason I had you repeat after me when we said that is because for the next several weeks together, uh, we are going to be journeying through a conversation where we are going to look at each three of these components. And my hope is that as we go through this series, that we're going to be able to look at the Bible, and we're going to be able to see how this same progression is something that we're going to see in Scripture. And I believe that this is something that God is calling his people into, that those of us who follow him, that this is a movement that he's calling us into, that when the people of God deliberately choose to make themselves uncomfortable for the things of God, it unleashes the power of God, and and we become part of an unstoppable movement of God. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to journey through this and hopefully kind of discover this and join in this together. But let me me just kind of tell you how we're going to do that. The way we're going to do that is sort of unique. We're actually going to spend kind of the next semester, so the next several months, talking through this. And we're going to do that by looking at three series, three sermon series. So the first sermon series we're going to be in is all about uncomfortable. What does it mean to be uncomfortable for the things of God? And then we're going to do a series after that in about a month called Unleashed. And we're going to talk about what does that mean when the power of God is unleashed through us. And then we're going to talk about this third part, which is unstoppable. And so for the next kind of several weeks, even the next few months, we're going to be sort of processing through this together. So let me just tell you that if it's your first time here at Grace in Medina East Campus, you came at the perfect time because you are joining us at the very, very, very beginning of a, of a talk that's going to span through the next several weeks. And so I would just encourage you, if you're investigating Grace, if you're trying to figure out if this is the place for you here at the Medina East East Campus, I would just encourage you, maybe lock in for the duration of this series, kind of hear the whole talk from front to end. But today, like I said, what we're going to be doing is we're actually going to start by looking at this first component, and we're going to be talking about this idea of what does it mean to become uncomfortable for the things of God? What does it mean to be uncomfortable for the things of God? And here's basically what we're going to say uh, for the next several weeks that we're looking at this. What we're basically going to say is that for those of us who follow Jesus, and by the way, I understand that not everyone in this room today maybe follows Jesus. There might be some of you who are still investigating the whole question of Jesus and the question of Christianity, which by the way, if that is you, we say this every week and we absolutely mean it. We count it a privilege that you would let us be part of that investigation. We really do. You could be doing anything else with your time, but we're glad that you're here. But for those of us who follow Jesus, Jesus, we're going to talk about how we believe that it is essential that those who follow Christ make themselves uncomfortable for the things of God, that those who follow Christ willingly make themselves uncomfortable for the things of Christ. Now, here's the thing, right? I know that when I put this word up on the screen, it probably already makes you feel a little, well, let's be honest, uncomfortable, right? And, and it, just, it, it just automatically sort of makes us maybe sort of feel a little bit like, yeah, I'm not sure about this series, and I'm intrigued, but I'm not sure what you're going to talk about, and I already feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I think the reason is because it forces us to ask a really important question when we see this. And here's the question it forces us to ask. Why would anybody deliberately choose to make themselves uncomfortable? Because here's the thing that I know about you and here's the thing I know about me and every person that, I, that I've ever met is that we all like to be comfortable, right? My guess is, in fact, this is just a quick informal survey. Um, if I was to give you the option between being comfortable and uncomfortable, like those are your only two options, how many of you are saying, I'm going comfortable? Just out of curiosity, how many? Okay, most of you. The rest of you are lying or you're you know, sadistic, one or the other. So... But, but yeah, I think all of us would say, yeah, if those are my options, why would I ever choose to be uncomfortable if I had the option of being comfortable, right? We all like to be comfortable. And here's the thing I think I've discovered. We like to be comfortable and increasingly so. I think we live in a culture today that puts an increasing, increasingly higher value on comfort, 
Now, we're a culture that loves comfort. In fact, I, I thought it was very fitting. Just a couple weeks ago, I was looking at my news feed on my phone, and this headline came up on my news feed, and I thought it was really fi- uh, fitting to the conversation we're having. This is what the, the, um, what the headline said. It said, the $29 billion battle to own how America sleeps is heating up. And so I clicked on this because I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. And I read about it. And basically what this whole article was about is it was about the incredible increase um, in online mattress companies. Did you guys ever notice this? Did you ever notice when you're like on YouTube or when you're, you know, on the internet, how many new mattress companies are out there? This is a huge industry and it's growing. $29 billion industry. And so there's all of these new, new mattress companies that are showing up. I'll just name a few of them. Maybe you've seen these. Purple is a new company. Nectar, Sleep Number. You guys have probably heard of that one before. Casper, Tempur-Pedic. There's a bunch of different mattress companies that are out there. But basically what they're all doing is they're all trying to sell you the most comfortable experience you could possibly have. That's what they're all doing. And they all boast about, you know, the new technologies that they have. So at first, you guys might remember it was that memory foam. Remember when that was like a big, still is kind of a big thing. And then it was climate systems. Like how do you keep your bed cooled at nighttime? And then it was comfort gel. That's kind of a a big deal. And then it was the firmness adjustment. You guys ever see the thing with the remote control and you can adjust like how firm or soft your bed is. But basically what they're all doing is they're basically telling you this is the most comfortable experience you can have. And they'll, they'll talk about the technologies. They'll even do tests. Do you guys remember the tests that they do? Probably the most popular test. Do you guys remember this test? They'd fill a glass of wine and they'd put it on the end of the mattress and they'd have a person jump on the other side and the, the wine wouldn't spill. And apparently that was reason to believe that the bed was really comfortable. I never understood the connection between those two things. But people, you know, they perform these tests. Did you guys ever see the egg drop test? Mattresses do this, the mattress companies will do this, where they'll take eggs, like raw eggs, tie them to a heavy object and drop it onto the bed. And apparently if the eggs don't smash, then that means that the mattress is comfortable. Um, One of the companies, I thought this was, if you haven't seen this, you need to go YouTube it. I thought it was hysterical. This one company called Purple, they actually suspended a guy six feet above the mattress, put raw eggs on his back, and then dropped him on the mattress, and the eggs didn't break. And I remember I watched that and I thought to myself, now when would that ever become a necessary feature on a mattress? Like when was, like, I, I, but apparently what they're saying is this is the most comfortable experience. And so all of these companies are saying, if you purchase our mattress, you're going to experience the most comfortable night of sleep that you will ever get. And here's the crazy thing, we are buying it. $29 billion. Now, we like comfort. We value comfort. Why would anyone choose to be uncomfortable when the option is that we could be comfortable? Why would anyone choose to be comfortable when the option is to be more comfortable, right? But here's the thing that I want to talk about tonight, and I think that if you spend even just a couple moments thinking about this, you'll agree with me, that while we all love comfort and while we all want to be comfortable, each and every single one of us, every single day, deliberately chooses to make ourselves, willingly to make ourselves uncomfortable for something. Every single day, if you think about it, we all want to be comfortable. We all like comfort. Like if it was between, you know, discomfort and comfort, I think all of us would choose comfort. But if you think about it, every single day, every single one of us deliberately and willingly and sometimes even gladly choose to make ourselves uncomfortable for something, for something. In fact, I, I, think I've, I think I've realized something, and my guess is you've probably discovered this as well. I have noticed that there's a direct correlation 
between what we are willing to make ourselves uncomfortable for and what we value. I've noticed that there's a direct correlation between what we value most highly and what we're, what we're willing to make ourselves uncomfortable for most willingly. In fact, I put it this way in my notes. If you're taking notes, you might wanna jot this down because this is what we're gonna be kind of investigating for the rest of our time tonight, and that's this. I believe that we most willingly make ourselves uncomfortable for the things that we value most highly. I think there's a correlation between our comfort level and the things that we value. I could even put it this way. Let me put it another way. I think the things that we value the most are the things that we are most willing to become uncomfortable for. Now, if you find yourself struggling to agree with that statement, let me just give you a couple examples to see if, if maybe I can, I can explain to you what I mean by that, okay? So uh, let's just say it this way. Let's say that I was to come up to you and, uh, and I was just to, to, to ask you this question, okay? So I was to come up, I was to say, hey, something like this. Hey, I've got this awesome opportunity for you. It's an opportunity of a lifetime. How would you like to bring a couple of completely non-self-sufficient people into your house to live with you? Okay? And they're gonna rely on you for everything. They're gonna make a big mess. And then here's the bonus, they're really expensive. How many of you would be like, that sounds awesome? Like at face value, like why would anybody do this? But of course, we do this every day, right? What am I talking about here? Tell me. This is parenting. This is chill. Why, why would anybody deliberately put themselves in a position where they would deliberately and even gladly and willingly make themselves uncomfortable well, it's because, it's because we most willingly make ourselves uncomfortable for the things that we value most highly. Uh, people who decide to have children see the joy and see the value and see the benefit of experiencing that. And so that's why we, we just, how about, how about this one? If I was to come up to you and I was to say, hey, college student, okay, or high school student, there's a few of you who are in the room. If I said that to you, I said, hey, how would you like to stay up till three o'clock in the morning when you know full well that you gotta get up and be at class at eight? And then how would you like to do that again every night this week? How would you like to just be sleep deprived? Right? You'd be like, well, that sounds dumb. Why would I ever want to do that? But here's the thing, you do it all the time. You do it all the time. Why? Well, because there's something that you value. And especially if you found new romance. Oh my gosh. You will gladly stay up. I remember when Jess and I were dating, we would gladly stay up till three in the morning, sometimes later, talking on the phone, whispering sweet nothings into each other's ears. Why? Because you're like, it. it's because we, we willingly make ourselves uncomfortable, gladly make ourselves uncomfortable for the things that we value most highly. One more, I'll give you one more. How about this one? What if I said, hey, parents, how would you like to drive your kids around four nights during the week and then on the weekends put an additional 400, 600 miles on your minivan doing out-of-town trips? How about that? Does that sound good? you? That's nuts, right? But we do it all the time, don't we? For what? Well, because we value something. We'll do sporting activities. We'll do traveling, sports. Why? Well, we value it. We value it. And we most willingly make ourselves uncomfortable for the things that we value most highly. And so we look at that and we say there's value to traveling. There's, tra there's value to the social dynamic. There's value to the life lessons that are learned. And listen, I could go on and on. I could talk about uh, going to the gym and I could talk about entertainment. But here's the bottom line. The bottom line is what we value most highly is what we're willing to be uncomfortable for most willingly. That's the bottom line. And my guess is if you give it any amount of thought, you probably would agree with me on that as well. Now, here's, here's why I say all that. If you can understand that, and if that makes sense to you, and if you agree with that, I think, I think you actually are starting to understand what the Bible is about to teach about the Christian life. What the Bible teaches about the Christian life is actually very similar 
to that. In fact, I wanna show you a passage of scripture tonight where we're gonna see that this same principle applies, that what, we, what we're most willing to make ourselves uncomfortable for the things that we value most highly. And the passage I wanna take you to is in Romans chapter 12. So if you got your Bibles, why don't you grab them with me and we're actually gonna flip over to, for some of us, maybe kind of a familiar passage. We're gonna go to Romans chapter 12. And, uh, and so go ahead and grab your Bibles. If you didn't bring a Bible with you um, here tonight, that's not a problem at all. You can just grab one of our Bibles. It's underneath the chairs. Page 789 is where you're gonna find Romans chapter 12. 12, so feel free and get there. And then let me just say this too. Um, if you don't own a copy of the Bible, like a physical copy, we actually would love it if you would take a copy of ours because we think it'd be so important that you have your own copy of the Bible so you can just take that home with you and that's great. So Romans 12, now as you're flipping there, let's give you a little bit of context. Um, Romans is actually a letter that was written by a guy named Paul. Uh, Paul was an apostle, which basically meant that he was a very, very influential early church leader. And he's writing to a group of people in Rome, uh, and so that's why the book is called Romans, because it's Paul letter, Paul's letter to the Romans. And in Romans chapter 12, what we're going to see is that Paul is going to give us a picture. He's going to give us kind of a, a short explanation of what the Christian life is all about. And, here, and here's what he says. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Apostle Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper worship. That's such a good verse. Let's just read it one more time, soak it in. Paul says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper worship. Now, this is such a powerful verse. Um, some of you are familiar with it if you've grown up around the church. I think this is a verse that every follower of Jesus should have committed to memory. It's just so powerful, and it really is a phenomenal little synopsis of what the Christian life is to look like, what God wants the Christian life to look like for those of us who follow Jesus. So let's break it up a little bit. Well, I want you to notice first, and this is really important, that the Apostle Paul begins this by first saying, therefore. All right, now that's really significant. We don't wanna miss that. And the reason that's so important is because as you can see here, this is chapter 12. Because it's chapter 12, that means that there are 11 chapters before this. And so when the apostle Paul says, therefore, he is referring to those previous 11 chapters. So you might be asking, well, what, what, is, what did the apostle Paul talk about in those previous 11 chapters? Well, obviously for time's sake, we're not gonna read the whole thing, but I can actually summarize for you what uh, Romans chapter 1 to 11 is all about. It actually is one of the most incredible, one of the most beautiful explanations of what is sometimes called the gospel, the gospel. Now, if you're a person that's investigating Jesus or if you're a person who's maybe a new Christian, maybe you've heard the term gospel, but you're not sure what that is. What is the gospel? Well, let me just give you a brief definition, okay? And you could define it a lot of different ways, but here's just a brief definition of the gospel. The gospel, by the way, is the central teaching of Christianity, and here's the gospel in a nutshell. The gospel in a nutshell is that we were separated God because of our sin, that every single one of us is separated from God because of our disobedience to him. Yet the gospel is that God in Jesus Christ willingly made himself uncomfortable for us so that his forgiveness and his grace could be unleashed in our lives. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Here's the message. You and I, because of our sin, we've been alienated from God, but God valued us so highly and he loved us so much that he willingly made himself uncomfortable. He took on flesh, he lived a perfect life, he died a sacrificial death for us. He denied his own rights so that 
forgiveness and grace could be unleashed in our lives. That is the message of the gospel in a nutshell. And so now the apostle Paul says, therefore, in other words, he says, if you believe that, like if you really believe that, if you actually accept that, he says, that's gonna start to change the way you live. And I want you to notice what he says. He says, therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy, here's how you should now live your life. He says, offer your bodies, and here it is, as a living sacrifice. He says, here's what the Christian life should look like. He says, in view of God's mercy, in view of this incredible, all this incredible stuff God has done for you, you should now offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God. Now, that's pretty weird. It's a weird statement, living sacrifice, right? It's, uh, it's paradoxical if you think about it, living sacrifice. In fact, it's even weirder if you go back in the Greek language. If you look back in the Greek language, it literally is offer yourself as a living killing, as a living killing. It's paradoxical, and it's deliberately paradoxical. So some of you might be saying, well, what does that mean then? What does it, what does it actually mean to offer yourself as a living sacrifice? Well, you gotta remember something. You gotta remember that the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote this letter, was writing to a very specific audience. And when the Apostle Paul would have said this word right here, sacrifice, that would have meant something to the original hearers because the people that he was writing to, they would have been very, very well acquainted with the Old Testament sacrificial system. So some of you might know this. In the Old Testament, God commanded his people. He said, listen, whenever you sin, whenever you break my commandments, I want you to go to the temple and I want you to offer a animal sacrifice. That is that you are to kill an animal and that is to be a representative of your guilt and your shame. And then he says, you're to offer that as a sacrifice. And when you offer it as a sacrifice, that is for the forgiveness of your sins. These people would have been very familiar with that. So now the apostle Paul uses that word. He says, you're to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Now, when he does that, what this is, Paul's way of basically saying this. He's saying that the Christian life is in some ways to be like the Old Testament sacrificial system, and in some ways it's very, very different. And you're like, what do you mean by that? Well, it's different because this is a living sacrifice. In other words, Paul says there's no need for blood anymore because Jesus Christ has come and he has sacrificed himself for us. We no longer need to sacrifice for the, for the forgiveness of sins. We don't have to do that anymore. Listen, this is really important. I want you to understand this. For those of us who follow Jesus, we don't believe that we need to live a life now to make ourselves acceptable and forgiven to God. That's not, why we, that's not why we do these things. It's not because we're trying to earn God's acceptance. It's not because we're trying to earn God's forgiveness. Christians are people who believe that forgiveness and acceptance are already ours because of what Jesus has done. Right, And so our life now is lived out of gratitude and thankfulness for what God has done for us. It's not out of an obligation. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, we don't have to come back to God and ask for forgiveness over and over again. You can just thank him for it because you already have it, right? And so Paul says, we don't have to do it. It's a living sacrifice, but it's interesting that he uses the word sacrifice. And the reason that's interesting is because the apostle Paul is saying, we're still putting something to death. Something is still dying, right? And the question is, well, then what does that mean? What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Well, I think, I think here's what the Apostle Paul means. I think the Apostle Paul means that a, a person who follows Jesus is to live in such a way that we live in an ongoing, moment by moment, um, every day, every step. It's, this isn't like an isolated one-time event. Putting to death the right to choose to live life the way that we desire. I guess what he's talking about. 
I think that what it means to offer yourself as a living sacrifice is it means that I am purposely putting to death the idea that I know what is best for my life, that I'm the one who's gonna define and direct what, what is the right way, course of action for me to go. And this is not a one-time isolated event. This is a moment by moment, day by day, I'm offering myself as a living sacrifice. Here's what I think it means to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. I think it's this. I am choosing to take my hands off of my life. I'm deliberately saying, God, my hands are off my life and it's all yours. And so whatever I deem, whatever my preference is, whatever my desire is, whatever's comfortable to me, I'm gonna take my hands off of that and I'm gonna let you be the one who guides my life. I'm taking my hands off my life. This might be a way to think about it. For some reason, when I was reading this, the picture that came to my mind was this. So I think I told you guys, I probably have told you at one point, I had this really cool um, opportunity years ago um, to uh, go snowmobiling in Alaska. It's one of the coolest things I've ever done. So I got a chance to participate in this conference that was in Alaska. And, I, and after the conference was done, I had a friend that lived there. And he said, uh, he said hey, man, how would you like to go snowmobiling with me? It was in the dead of winter in Alaska. And I said, that sounds awesome. So I got a chance to go snowmobiling with this guy. They actually didn't call it snowmobiling up there. They call it snow machining. And I figured you guys can call it what you want because you're in Alaska and you get more snow than we do. And so I went snow machining with this guy. Now, mind you, I had never been snowmobiling in my life. So I was a novice and he was like an expert. This dude had been doing it his whole life. And so he took me out, and I got to say, I did pretty good. I did pretty good. And, and whenever we were on the trail and we were on compacted snow, I did pretty good. Uh, but there were certain spots in the place that we went where the snow was so deep and it was so light that it was really difficult to kind of navigate the terrain. And so what happened, and this happened a number of times, is I would get my, my snowmobile stuck. And so I would get it stuck and it would start to sink in the snow. And then I would try to get it out. So I'd try to pull it out and I would try to throttle it out. And every attempt that I would make to try to get this thing out of the snow, it just went deeper and deeper and deeper. And so this happened a number of times. My friend would come over to me and he would see that I was stuck and he would see that it wasn't getting any better. And he would say, uh, are you stuck? And I'd say, yeah, but I think I got it. And I would keep trying and I'd keep going down deeper. And he, he had to do this a number of times. Finally, he would just look at me and he would just go, stop just stop. And I'd be like, okay. And then, he would be, and then he would do this. He'd go, just get off. And I'd be like, just tell me what to do. No, just get off. And I was like, okay. You know, and I would get off. And then he would get on and then he would take over and he would get the thing back where it needed to be. And then I would get back on. Now, was that humiliating for me? A little bit, right? Was it a hurt, like, you know, a hit to my pride a little bit, but was it necessary? Absolutely necessary, right? Now, now here's, here's what I'm telling you, okay? I believe what it means to offer yourself as a living sacrifice is it's basically saying, man, God, I'm taking my hands off of this thing. I'm taking my hands off of my life. I recognize that um, every attempt to try to define and direct my life on my own is only making things worse. And so I'm taking my hands off my life. I'm a living sacrifice to you. That means that when I get up, I'm not asking, what do I wanna do today? I'm saying, God, what do you have for me to do today? What's your desire? What's your will? My life is yours. And that means that if I have a preference and you have a preference, I'm going with your preference. And that means that if I have something that's out of my comfort zone that you're asking me to do, I am willing to make myself uncomfortable for you because I value you, because I know you love me, because I know that you care for me, because of the mercy that you've given me. So I'm handing myself over to you. 
And so listen, what that means is, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, and what that means is that to live our lives this way as a living sacrifice means that we don't get to pick and choose the aspects of the Christian life that we desire to, to embrace and which ones we desire not to embrace. That, that if we're followers of Jesus Christ, that we don't just look at certain aspects of the Christian life and say, well, I like that, and that feels good to me, but this other part of what it means to follow Jesus, I don't know, man, that's kind of uncomfortable, so I'm not gonna do that, and I'm gonna pick and choose. And listen, you haven't taken your hands off your life, if that's the case. If it's, man, I like, I like doing the church thing sometimes, and I like doing this, but man, this whole, like the conversation about biblical community, like, you know, you guys do life groups, that's just not me, man, that's uncomfortable for me. It's uncomfortable for me. Um, you know, I, I like what the Bible says about some certain things, but the idea of being a generous person, I don't know, man. That's really not, this idea of making disciples, eh, that's maybe for some people, but really not for me. And I, I'm just saying, if, if, if you're picking and choosing the aspects that you're like, I'm comfortable with this, but I'm not comfortable with this, I think the Apostle Paul would say, I urge you, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Go all the way for Jesus. Now, here's the thing. I think at this point in the conversation, some of you maybe who are invest, investigating Christ, maybe you're on the fence and you're trying to figure out the whole Jesus thing, you might be saying to yourself at this point, well, if that's what it means to follow Jesus, if you're saying that following Jesus means that I offer my whole life to him, that he's gonna be the one who defines and directs me, you might be saying to yourself, well, then you know what? I'll pass. Thank you very much, but I actually would like to have control of my own life and I wanna be free. So no thanks, I'll pass. And if that's the case, let me just say, if that's you, if you're, can I just push up against you for a second? I just want to push against that. And let me just say, um, not so fast. And the reason is this, because I believe, and I think, I think you might disagree with me, but I think you'll agree with me here in a minute. I believe that one of the things that's true about every person in this room, and every person in the world, but every person in this room, is that every single one of us is already a living sacrifice to something. Let's put it another way. I think you already are a living sacrifice. And so the question is, what are you a living sacrifice for? You're like, what are you talking about? Okay, well, let me give you a silly analogy, okay? So I want you to think about a fork for a minute. Yep, that's right, a fork. All right, so think about a fork for a second. So forks, um, yeah, they're useful for eating, eating and such. Uh, they also, they have some value, right? A fork has some value. It's usually made of metal. Typically, it's worth more than a dollar, a fork is. Some of them can be quite expensive, right? So there are some forks that are made of silver, some forks that are made of gold, very expensive. So I want you to imagine for a minute, there's a guy, and he recognizes the value of forks, and for some reason, he starts to get interested in them. And so this guy starts to collect forks. So he starts going on eBay, starts going online, starts going to stores. He starts buying forks. And he's like, this is pretty cool. You know, I fork kind of starts getting into forks. Starts coming home with sets of forks, ordering sets of forks. They're coming to the house and all that kind of stuff. And I want you to imagine this guy starts to get so into forks, he actually starts to get a little obsessed, all right? So he goes to fork conventions. I don't know if those exist. But he starts going to fork conventions and he's like, oh man, look at this set. And oh, these are cool forks. And do you see it in gets way into it, and he starts to get into the place where every day he's coming home with like another set of forks. His basement's getting full, and he barely has like a pathway to walk through because there's just forks everywhere. And it gets to a place he's not around much, and so his family misses him. 
and uh, comes home one day late from work. He's got another set of forks, you know, and his kids are like, dad, where you been, you know? And he's like, well, I got some more forks. Like I got more forks. And the kids are like, oh, geez, we don't need any more forks, man. I think we got enough forks around here, you know? And, and then he goes outside to mow the lawn or something. And as he does it, his neighbor comes up to him and his neighbor's like, man, would you get a grip? You got it. Don't you have enough forks? And he just kind of smiles to himself and he says, you don't understand the value of a fork, do you? He looks and says, you're jealous because all the forks I got. Now, now, let me just say that that's a silly analogy. It's a silly story, right? Um, in fact, when I say that, you're probably like, that, that behavior sounds like the behavior of a crazy person. And yet, exactly what I'm explaining to you is the way that millions of people live their lives. We just don't use forks. We use dollars or accomplishments or achievements or sports. And I'm just saying, what the heck is the difference? The heck's the difference? We all, listen, we all live our lives as a living sacrifice for something, for something. And so if you're saying, no, forget it, I'll take a pass on Jesus. No, 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 wait a second, wait a second. Because here's what we, here's what we know, here's what we know. We most willingly make ourselves uncomfortable. We most willingly sacrifice for the things that we value most highly, for the things that we value most highly. Listen, man, dare I say it this way, Dare I even say it this way? We most willingly make ourselves uncomfortable for the things that we, you ready for it? Worship most highly. Some of you are like, now, hold on a minute, man. That's a little, okay, all right. I hear what you're saying, but I don't, I don't worship this stuff. I don't worship it. All right, well, hold on a minute. I actually want you to notice what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. Look at this connection he makes. I urge you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. You see what the Apostle Paul is doing here? He's making a correlation, a connection between the things that we make ourselves uncomfortable with and the things that we value most highly, the things that we worship. Some of you might have different translations and it might not say worship. It might say, this is your reasonable act of service. It's the same idea. It's the same idea, worship, service. It's the thing that I value the most. It's the thing that I serve the most. And here's what the apostle Paul says. He says that, man, do you wanna know what you worship? Do you really wanna know what you worship? He says, you can just look at the thing that you offer yourself to, the thing that you make yourself most uncomfortable for. Let's tell you this. If you wanna know what you worship, just follow the things that you're most willing to make yourself uncomfortable for. Don't even, you don't even have to listen to what you say because we lie to ourselves, so you could say, this is my highest value, this is my highest priority, but this will tell you, this will tell you. What do you give your time, your money, your energy? What are you most willing to make yourselves uncomfortable for? And that's gonna show you what it is that you truly worship. But here's the thing, unlike those forks, like we mentioned a moment ago, which is like crazy, the Apostle Paul says something interesting about living this way for God. He actually says, this is your true and proper worship. In other words, some of you might have translations, and I like the way it says it. I think it's the NASB. It says, this is your reasonable act of worship. Reasonable. And the word that's used here for true and proper or reasonable is the same word that we get our English word logical from. So the Apostle Paul says, the Apostle Paul says this is logical. It makes sense to live this way. Why? Because God loves you, because God gave everything for you, because he created you, because he knows what's best for you. And so unlike living for forks, which is crazy, he says living for God is actually very, very logical. It makes sense. Listen, this is so important. 
When the apostle Paul says that those of us who follow Jesus are to live our lives as living sacrifices, he's not saying that we live our lives as living sacrifices just for the sake of discomfort and for the sake of pain. Right? There is a word for people who simply make themselves uncomfortable to be uncomfortable and put themselves in pain to be in pain. And the name of that is sadistic. It's also Browns fans, right? That's also the same name as well. Though They're doing pretty good in the preseason, so I don't want to speak too soon. But that's not what he's saying. He's not saying Christians just make themselves uncomfortable to be uncomfortable. He's saying we make ourselves uncomfortable because we serve an all-knowing, all-wise God, and you can take your hands off your life, and you can trust him. And so even when it becomes uncomfortable, you can make yourself uncomfortable because you know that he loves you, and you know that what he wants is best for you. And this is why he says this in this passage. He says, I urge you. He doesn't say I command you. This isn't a commandment. He says, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, this isn't out of duty, this isn't out of religious obligation. He just says, man, if you really value Jesus most highly, if that's true, he says, then you should be willing to offer yourself to him completely because we must willingly make ourselves uncomfortable for the things that we value most highly. So let me tell you what we're going to do for the next several weeks, because today is just an introduction. So my hope is just to kind of help you understand the heartbeat of this whole series. But for the next several weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to talk very practically about what does it actually mean for a person to make themselves uncomfortable for God? What does it look like to do that? And we're going to talk very, very practically from the Bible how that looks and how we embrace discomfort and the uncomfortable things for God. And so we're going to talk about that. I'm just going to tell you right out of the gate, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. It's just going to be a little uncomfortable. But I believe that when when we're willing to embrace the uncomfortable things of God, that it unleashes the power of God and we become part of an unstoppable movement of God. That God loves us and cares for us and he's the most qualified and the most wise to lead and to direct our lives. That's the band to come up. And as they do, I want to end today with just one very, very specific thought. And that's this. So like I said, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some pretty practical stuff. But I actually just wanted to give you one kind of homework assignment for this week. Before I ask you to do anything, before we look at what the Bible says, before we get into all of that, I actually just want you to go away and I want you to seriously contemplate one question. That's it. One question. And I want you this week to think about it. I want you to look at your life and consider your life. And I want you to think about this one question. This is a question maybe you want to talk about tonight at dinner. Maybe you want to talk about it with your spouse, talk about it with your friend. But this is a question I want you to seriously consider. And here's what it is, okay? For what in my life am I most willing to make myself uncomfortable? That's the question. I just want you, I'm not even asking you to do anything yet. I'm not even asking you to do anything. I'm just asking you, would you go away and would you, would you genuinely consider this question? What is it in my life that I am most willing to make myself uncomfortable? What is it that I gladly and willingly make myself uncomfortable for? And I just want to encourage you to think about it. And again, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just asking you to consider it and then come back as we get a chance to continue to process through this conversation next week. Let's pray together. Well, Jesus, I, of course, just want to say thank you that you made yourself uncomfortable for us. That is what the crux of Christianity is all about. It's that, uh, it's that you, uh, in your love and in your mercy, because you valued us so highly, you most willingly gave yourself for us. 
And so, Father, that message, if we really truly believe it, it should, it should cause some change to happen in our lives. And so I pray that even as a result of this conversation, would you help us to identify um, the things in our life that we value most highly? What is it that we are most willing to make ourselves uncomfortable for? And Father, I pray that you would use that to help expose places in our heart. And so, Father, I pray that through this series and through this conversation that we're gonna have for the next several weeks, would you help us to be people who value you above all other things? The truth is, Jesus, there is nothing else that's worth our worship. There is nothing else that's more valuable than you. And so because of that, um, Lord, I genuinely believe that there's nothing that's more worthy of giving ourselves to. There's nothing more worthy of making ourselves uncomfortable for than following you, Jesus. So, uh, Lord, I pray that through this investigation, you would give us grace. I pray that we'd be blessed for having heard what we heard tonight. I pray that it would cause us to begin living differently. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.